Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, in this episode, I'm joined by a guy who has a huge role in performance of the guys you watch every day on the field. He's also had a huge influence on my career. It's a Mariner Strength and Conditioning Coordinator, James Clifford. Now, I started this podcast and called it The Top Step because some of my favorite memories in the big leagues were standing on the top step of the dugout with teammates hearing their story and being inspired by their journey. And for Cliffy, that journey went in two directions. As a two-sport athlete at the University of Washington, he was an absolute weapon as a Huskies linebacker who led the Pac-10 in tackles, also won a national championship. He was ready to steamroll right into the NFL draft until a knee injury slowed him down and changed his focus to professional baseball. We talk about the mental toughness it takes to not only play football at that level, also overcoming adversity and disappointment. We also talk about how the game has changed in the last 10 years from a physical standpoint, as well as a crucial turning point in a young 17-year-old Felix Hernandez's career. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes, be sure to press the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast. Now, sit back and enjoy this episode as James Clifford joins me on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland-Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> He's a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. Welcome, dude. I'm going to tell you this story. The first time we met, you've been here with the Mariners for a long time. My first time coming over to the States, I'm 18 years old. It's 2001. And Craig Anderson, right? You, you remember Craig Anderson, right? Yeah. Soft-spoken, lefty, left-handed pitcher. Yep, exactly. Threw about 83 miles an hour. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he, was, he was cracking the 80 mark. But uh, I was talking to him. I was trying to get the lay of the land and sort of say, okay, um, you know, who do I need to go talk to? And I was so nervous, you know. He told me, he goes, okay, you've got to go introduce yourself to Mike Goff, who was a hard-ass. I mean, he was like kind of scary. Yeah. I remember Travis Blackley and I rolled in day one. Travis got piercings all over him and Mike <laughs> got on him, like literally within minutes. And the other guy, he, he said, the other guy you got to go talk to, but don't get on his bad side, <laughs> is James Clifford. Cl- you, right? So we had a rain out one of the first days and we used to do the McDonald's run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we're running across, and I'm like slipping back in the pack. There was a huge pack, like all the <clears throat> all the pitches, there's pitches and catches. And I'm like slipping back, and I'm like, oh man, I can't slip to the back of this pack. <laughs> and you had you were like leading the pack. You roll, you get to McDonald's, turn around, and and uh, I remember you just said, hey, what's up? Like this. And as soon as I got back, I was like, oh man, I need to kiss some ass as soon as I get back. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time. You guys still doing the McDonald's run? No, we're not doing the McDonald's. <laughs> Well, to make sure everybody understands, McDonald's run run is not going to McDonald's and getting a freaking Big Mac. It, it was it was a distance. It was just a run we did for conditioning. Right. Especially when we couldn't be on the field. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was one of my first memories having to do that McDonald's run. I got better at it too. But yeah, it was that and it was the six and a half minute mile. Yeah. There was a stress test. You guys still do any of that stuff? No, we've really changed a lot. I think baseball in general has changed a lot yeah. in regards to that. And just what, what we, we're trying to train more in the energy systems we use during right. games. So, yeah, no, we, we've evolved. Yeah, I, I want to lead into that, how, this, how it's changed, because I know it's changed a ton. 
But I remember the six and a half minute mile. Did you guys, and I need to ask this. There's a few things I need to, to figure out for my first days as a, you know, playing rookie ball and everything else. The six and a half minute mile. Did you guys put any stock into what time you got from that? It was more of a mental thing, I think. Right. I mean, I think, you know, when we looked at it, you know, back then, it was like, okay, we really don't like our guys running tons of distance, yeah. so they shouldn't be really good at it. But you feel like if a guy's got mental capacity and, and some toughness, he's going to push himself through it, and, he, and he'll get there. I, you know, we're, we're much smarter now. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's yeah. leave it that way. <laughs> But is there still that element of that mental toughness, like even the old school stuff? I mean, I still talk to, you know, if I'm talking to a 16-year-old Australian who's trying to get over, play pro ball or play college baseball, I feel like there's still a little bit of that lost because I feel like everything's calculated now. Like I'm talking, you know, everyone's got to have, you know, and not so much with baseball, but you've got to have a heart rate monitor on. It, there's got to be a number to everything as opposed to just having just that element of mental toughness. Um. I, it's interesting that you can see the guys who push themselves yeah. through things. You know, I, yeah, you can use a heart rate monitor for a crutch in a way. Like I, I'm at my training zone. This is I don't want to go any higher than this, um, and that's can be smart. Mm -hmm. At the same time, like you said, you know, mental toughness, especially in this game of baseball, it, it is uh, it's something that if you're not in the game, that you, you don't understand. Um, just the sheer volume of games and time requirement that it takes a toll on just physically mentally that if you don't if you're not in it it's really hard you think the guys just show up at seven and yeah. you know play the game and and, and they're done at you know going home at 11 and everything's great it, it it's a grind yeah. i mean and, and if you don't have that mental uh toughness and that uh belief in self uh that you can push through this it, it's 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 rough it's it's a it's a rough profession to yeah. be in and, and just back on the six and a half minute mark, because I just thought of that, like literally <laughs> right before we, we sat down. So basically six and a half minutes, you had to beat six and a half minutes. Otherwise, you had to literally run it the next day. Yeah. Right. So if I'm scoring a five and a half minute, I'm just busting my ass around, around the four laps of a baseball field. I mean, does that give me any stock going into spring training? I think it does in a way, but it's more of a personal stock that you just crush the test and you beat everybody yeah. else that right. you feel like, you know, when yeah. you look yourself in the mirror and in this game, you have to have that self-belief and that self-confidence. So right. in that regard, yes, as an organization, yeah, in the meeting, we might go, man, Roland Smith came in and just crushed it this year. He must have had a great offseason, gotcha. must have trained hard. Okay. But that mental side of it for the, 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 the athlete himself, I think, it, you know, that's how you get that. Because I've had that conversation with, with guys my age. I mean, we're talking 2001, early 2000s. Yeah. It was, yeah, every organization had their fitness test. Yeah. And there's always that argument, oh, that, no one cared about that. You weren't making a team from, from doing that. <laughs> and I was always, you know, arguing that point saying, no, no, no. I felt like if I busted my ass that in, during the physicals and everything else, yeah. it just gave me that little bit of a leg up. Yeah, I agree with that to uh, this day. Yeah. I mean, when we still do our fitness tests now, I mean, whether it be a fitness test or more of a work capacity test, yeah. I mean, I think any any you score good, you're gonna be you're gonna be talked about more in a meeting. Yeah. You're gonna be you know it's any edge in this game and this in competition in general. It's it's a good thing. So we're talking, you know, the mile run, the whole thing. What are the fitness tests you you guys do now in 2020? Well, do we do a work capacity test. It's a, it's basically like a 300 yard shuttle oh, yeah. with a set rest, and and it's it's not a max effort test. We're really just looking at you know how you recover from rep to rep, right. um, how your heart recovers, and we get a good reading on that. It's more 
scientific for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily repeatable, which is nice in season with the schedule these guys have. You can repeat that test throughout the year to find out where guys are at. If they're uh, losing work capacity or gaining work capacity, it's, it's, it's important for us, especially depending on the position, right. that we have a monitor on that. Um, the you know six and a half minute mile at the time it's not <laughs> something we want to replicate you know yeah. every month yeah um now there's people out there that would think it's so what a six and a half minute mile big right. deal but for our athletes or power athletes in general it's something we're getting into an energy system they really don't use yeah yeah for sure and, and i mean I, I even back then we've had conversations about this a ton i you know look at that and say okay that's not the energy system we use yeah. but i just think again i use that as a gauge that's the argument i have of how how hard did you push yourself during that? Like, how much do you care? How much stock are you putting in to getting after it off the field? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with that, so and going back to you know coming up through the minor leagues and stuff, and I talked to like I said, I talked to young kids about making sure you know you're checking all those boxes. <clears throat> For me, I was never. I felt like my first couple of years in pro ball, I was never a big prospect. So I felt like. And I came from a strength and conditioning background. You know, mm-hmm. my dad worked with professional teams, pro- professional athletes. And he just said, he said, no matter what you do, you have to outwork everyone. Mm-hmm. Because there's that fear of like, man, if I'm not outworking everyone, I'm not this dude throwing 96 as a first rounder. So I felt like with that, if I just outworked everyone, every time there was a meeting or I was spoken about, it was like, hey, you know, like he sucked or he's throwing 86 miles an hour. But hey, dude, he's working his ass off. Yeah, with you, have you ever affected someone's career, right? Where you've sat in a meeting and you've stood up and, and not stood up, put your hand up and said, "Hey, man, this guy works super hard. Let's keep him around." I mean, did that? Ha- did you have any kind of, you know, pull on on a kid's fate when you're talking? I mean, because there's so many kids in the minor leagues back in the day when you were in the minor leagues, you know, strength. Yeah, yeah. They get released. I mean, there's a ton of them in that locker room right now that they're going home. Was there, was there ever the, those points? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, a, there's two different sides of that. One is a guy getting released, and, and you know, there's possibility he's on the block, let's just say, getting released, and we're in a meeting, everybody's in a meeting, everybody gets a chance to talk. If I believe that there's more in the tank with this guy, like mm-hmm. that he's not, he hasn't, you know, there's his top end hasn't been reached yet, yeah. and I, I believe that from a, a physical standpoint. It could be mental also, um, or approach. I just speak up many times yeah. with that. I think, you know, there's more in the tank here. You just give him a little more time. I don't think he's developed yet. He's not, you know, there's still room for this guy to grow. On a different note, um, same thing happened. I'll give you an example. You know, Phil Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a meeting. We had a, a basically it was an organizational meeting. And uh, I can't remember. He was, I think it might have been his second year. Mm-hmm. Second year in maybe first year in the States. He's young. I mean, he's, he's like, like 18, six, 16, seven, right. 17 years gotcha. old. Teenager. And we're in a meeting, and everybody uh, was going around. The scouts were there. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, front office. The Vasey was our GM. And we're going around the room, and people are talking. Of course, Phil Hernandez, you know, yeah. probably the most influential pitcher we've had and more impact on the organization, you know, our organization, uh, than anybody. And we're going around the room, and people were uh, – I don't know, kind of talking about his work ethic in a way um, that we want to, you know, we need to make sure we stay on top of that. And they started giving examples of like how in other organizations where they kind of went out of their way to, 
you know, make sure these guys were getting things done. Yeah. Where Vladdy Guerrero, or d you know, these scouts were bringing up these examples, how they treated these guys special, and they did it because they were special people. Well, I felt like this room, and this is a big room. Yeah. It was starting to kind of turn it negative. Like, Wait, was this in, in Arizona? or was This, this is, is in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, this is like org meetings in Arizona when we had everybody in, in the whole yeah. org meetings, for right. instance. The whole scouting department, player development, major league staff, and, you know, front office. And I felt like this started spinning almost in that Felix is a lazy and doesn't do his work or do yeah. doesn't do what we ask of him. And the microphone we had, and we're handing it around the room. And oh, so you uh, microphone the whole thing? Oh, this, this was a big room. It's, okay, all right. So this it's, is like it, it's not – GM, assistant GM. No, no, no. Well, this is everybody wow. can give their ideas yeah. and things. So I'm listening to this, and Bavese finally wanted to move on. So he goes, all right, you know, we've already been. It was, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and there's no microphone near me. And I just, in front of the whole room, just basically yelled, Bill, <laughs> hold on a second. Bill, before we move on, I got something to say to everybody in the room. And I stood up, and I went, you know, I, I want to make sure everybody here is clear and understands what Felix and, and what he's done for us. If there's a problem with his conditioning or, or how he's going about his work, that is on us mm -hmm. because he has done everything we've asked of him. If we need to ask him to do more, that's on us. Right. And I and myself and more so. And uh, I literally was I was emotional with it. I was pretty loud, but I was I wasn't going to allow people who didn't know Felix to yeah. think he was a bad guy. And mm -hmm. I felt that was the vibe going around. That he was lazy, he wasn't doing his shit, wasn't taking yeah. care of what he want, needed to take care of. He was. He was doing everything we asked of him. He's a young kid who didn't know any better. He just did what we asked him. If we need to ask him to do more, let's ask him to do more. Yeah. Anyways, got done. Um, everybody was like, whoa. And, uh, I'll never forget. His, we, we walked out of the meeting a little bit later, and I was out by the bullpens, and Bavesa came up, and he goes, he goes, Clifford, I go, yeah, Bill. He goes, that's the kind of shit we need. Right. That's what we need. It was, it, 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 I, I was going to let him, somebody needs to do more. Yeah. I, I was, I was said we should take right. the blame for that. And, uh, you know, not saying that changed Felix's career. I mean, or at all, or what, I just didn't want people to think something of him if mm -hmm. it wasn't true. Is there a drastic change after that? Did you change your approach? I mean, he's a teenager. Yeah, no, no, I, mean, I wouldn't uh, say we changed our approach. We just made sure he understood, right. you know, it, again, it's starting pitcher. You know, yeah. you know starting pitcher, they have a set yeah. routine. All we need to do is make sure that his movement prep, his training, his conditioning, and his on-field work was more detailed and laid out for him. Yeah. And this is what – we're not asking you to go above the bar. We're asking you to go to the bar. We just need to make sure we keep that bar where yeah. it should be. Right. Did these happen? The org meetings like that big, that that would only happen once a year. Really? As a, as a – big group where you have scouts, player development, front office, where I'm talking where everybody's in the room. And how many players are we, we talking over here? In that, those type yeah. of meetings, we're not going over every yeah. player. We're going over the special ones. Right. I'm sorry to tell you, Roland, you weren't one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. All right, we're done, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being a part of it. So, the, okay, so you're talking the special, the big-time prospects sitting in a huge room with scouts, everyone. Yeah. Did it drive you crazy? There must have been times where it drove you crazy, just like that, where you're hearing opinions on a player that you've dealt with or had a relationship with the last couple of years. Yeah. And you're hearing these opinions of people who spent a day or seen him pitch once. Yep. 
It must drive you. It must have driven you crazy at times. It can. Yeah. It, it it did. It can, and it, it, at times it still still does. I mean, things like that do happen, and uh, you know that's one thing I think that I've enjoyed in my stay here with the Mariners. I you know overall, I think I think it's this 2020 season is my 28th or 29th mm-hmm. year in the organization as a yeah. player and and yes. staff, um, but. One of the blessings in, in what I've done, and I, I take pride, is I, I get to be with these guys in a different environment than just on the field. Yeah, I, I can be more internal with them, not just uh, like talking about life, but I can talk about specific cueing and how they're moving. Whereas they move out of the weight room, they have to get more external. They have to do. I don't want them thinking about what you know movement when they're pitching. They need to be able to just do it. But I think that comes from, and, and I was going to get to this in a second. I'll get to it right now. Going back to your glory days at UW. <laughs> yep. right. So I just want to lay this out. If, if you don't know who James Clifford is, and by the way, when I first got to the big leagues 2007, anytime I brought your name up, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Cliffy, yeah, linebacker. Yeah, he, UW, he was, he was an animal. That, it was always <laughs> like, man. But I remember looking at photos of you back in the day. I mean, just, you know, we, obviously with the pads on, you look – I had no idea, by the way. I think it was probably, you know, a good couple months in. I knew you played minor league baseball, but mm-hmm. had no idea that you played – you know, Pac-10, college, football, one, you know, one of the, the most successful linebackers in, in your time, yeah, right? Good, it was a good career. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we, you just mentioned something. You talked about having that internal, that relationship with players mm-hmm. and understanding them more of an internal basis, right? Do you think that comes from the fact that you were an athlete? For sure. Yeah. I, I somewhat know what they're going through, what they've gone through. I've you know, I know what it's like to have a family that you're, you know, in this game when you're away from them. You probably more than any anybody, you know, with your family, you know, you know all the way across right. the world. Uh, and, you, yeah, you, I think you do that. Another thing in college that I learned was you can have the best athletes around. You can be, you know, we could have the best players in baseball. You, you could have the best players in any football team. Unless the group is like accountable to each other, the players are accountable to each other and hold each other accountable and truly care about each other, you just you're going to be you can be average, but you can't be great. You can't be special. And that's one thing I, at Washington I really learned is that we just had a group of guys that I won't say just we didn't always like each other, but I knew if I did something wasn't right, I'd either be squared up on it, yeah, or they'd just fill in after me and take care of it. I feel like there's way more emphasis on that, like football. It feels more like a team game. And obviously, the, the dynamic of the game itself. Like, baseball is not designed to be a, a team sport True. in a sense because, you know, it's only you up there hitting. It's only you there pitching. It's not like it has to be this communication, really. Yeah, right? yeah. Except for the – do you feel like there's – that's lost in baseball? So that's, that's something that is important, especially in 2020 with the way we evaluate players, you know, from an analytics standpoint – when you talk, you're talking about like team chemistry, understanding each other. Yeah. Do you think that's still important in a major league clubhouse? I think it's a hundred percent. I think yeah. it's um, it's a game changer for me um, personally. I've, I've seen it happen. I, you know, it's interesting when you, when you see a group of athletes come together on on anything. It could be. It, it, it's interesting when you look at uh, natural disasters in different areas and how these teams in those areas these men come together or just athletes in general men and women come together and they do special things there's like they're, they're playing for a better for something more than just themselves mm-hmm. um i honestly and, and truly believe that 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 is 
if you can get that within a team, however it happens, hopefully it doesn't take a natural disaster. Right. But when you see the the bonds like that, it's truly uh, it creates a, a synergy and a, and a just an energy, the way you're 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 doing more than you normally would for just yourself. Yeah, it, it's. It's interesting you talk about that. I always feel like batting practice is always that time when you, you know, you cluster, you stand in with three or four guys, you know, it's, it, when you're out there shagging during batting practice, right? I always notice there's always that. I've been on teams. I've been on some bad teams too. I've been <laughs> on a team full of great group of good, great group of guys. But there's always that one or two when you're in that little group of guys, you've just lost three games in a row or something like that. Yeah. Everyone starts pointing fingers at everyone else, and it just spreads. Yep. That afternoon, I mean, you've got 162 games. You, you're around each other all the time. But that, for me, the, the biggest impact was just hearing opinions or the gossip or whatever it is about someone else or, or someone's opinion or what they don't like about this organization if they're new or whatever it is. It just sets off the rest of the tone for the team. 100%. Yeah. Seen it happen. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it happen often. I mean, I've seen it happen in, in the big leagues. I've seen it happen in the minor leagues. Yeah. I mean, on any team, what it takes is a, gr- a group of, of uh, a group that just doesn't allow it. They they nip it in the bud as soon as it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it can happen not not only I think with a team, it can happen with a team within a team. So like whether it be at a department, whether it be a strength department, whether it be a right. training, athletic training, you know, coaches, uh, pitching coaches, you know, hitting coaches, front office, you know. It, you just got to nip it in the bud yeah. and say, listen, we, we don't do that here. And, you know, you're either going to align with what we're doing or it's not going to work for you. And you had that at UW when you rocked up? 100%. I mean, it was literally uh, – I couldn't – it couldn't have been a better setup. I mean, we won the national championship, three Rose Bowls. We couldn't – we had good teams. We played good teams also. We just had this ability. We didn't think we had the – uh, holy shit factors, what yeah. we called it. We wanted people to, after the first series, I played defense. After the first series, we wanted them to go to the sidelines saying, holy shit, I didn't realize this is going to be this way today. <laughs> so, all right. So, speaking of that, I want to – Sorry I wanna, for cussing. Can I cuss on this? That's no, fine. Okay, no, no, you're good. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. So, you get drafted out of high school with f- by the Mariners, right? Yeah, for yeah. baseball. Yep. Okay. So, you're a two-sport athlete. Very mm-hmm. rare. All right, so I got to give it to you. I mean, that's it's getting more rare. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I know how it was back then. I'm not obviously you're not that old. Yeah. Of course. I don't know how it was back then, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's saying something. You get drafted. You decide to go play football. Yep. Was was University of Washington? Was that your dream school as a yeah, kid? Yeah. I grew up in Seattle. Yeah. I grew up in North Seattle. I mean, I go to Husky games. It was somewhere I wanted to be. I, you know, I had an opportunity to go to a lot of different colleges around the country, but I. It was in my back pocket. To do, to I, play both sports? Uh, yeah. Um, I was planning on playing both at Washington. Um, I didn't to start. I, I don't know. So I, I was going to be a dual athlete. I was going to, you know, I had a full ride to go play football. Of course, I was drafted by the Mariners. I, I, I elected to go to college and get a degree and, and and play football. But football went really well for me, really quickly at Washington. You know, back then, freshmen did not. They most. 95% or 99% of freshmen redshirted, right. meaning they didn't play that year. They just redshirted, worked out, and practiced, yep. and then you're a redshirt, you know, sophomore the next year, or redshirt freshman the next year. Well, I played as a true freshman, so I'm like, man, this freaking football thing's 
this was like fun. You know, we got 78,000 people in the stands. Oh, yeah. I mean, the city's freaking loving purple and gold. Yeah. And, and we, uh, so that went really well. So that spring when baseball was going to start, I'm like, you know what? I mean, I'm in Washington. It's rainy. It's this. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody wants to go watch baseball, man. This football, <laughs> this football stuff's pretty cool, man. So I ended up, you know, playing the next year I came in and I mean even better year I, I led the Pac-10 in tackles that year and so of course I wasn't going to play following year I uh um coming into 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 the season in fall practice football I ended up tearing my knee my tore my ACL and some cartilage PCL also and they went in and had to have that repaired so I had I, luckily enough I had a redshirt year that year so I could redshirt but just going back so you're a teenager right obviously playing two sports yeah yep. were you looking at yeah and, and every 12 year old right is, a, is oblivious to how hard it is to either play in the NFL or play in the big leagues yeah at that point were you like I'm going to be Bo Jackson or I'm going to go play in the big leagues or I'm going to go play in the NFL were you was a football baseball what was it as a teenager before you heading into that to go to UW, is it? I'm gonna go play in the big leagues. I mean, for me, obviously, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna play in the big leagues. I had you no know, freaking clue how hard it was. I, I guess I felt at 12 years old I could do either, um, <laughs> but I think football was something that I I was really driven at, and, and it was like you said, it was more of a team thing, um, yeah. as you said that. Um, baseball, surprisingly enough, when I was younger, I didn't worry about. I didn't. I don't want to say I care about as much. I just didn't – I just would play, and I was pretty good be, yeah. without really even worrying about it. And it's probably what made me good, actually, because I know when you, when I really started trying to play – be good at baseball, I wasn't as good. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's weird. So, so, fo so football, you're, you're a football player, but you're playing baseball on the side, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep, yep. And then you get drafted out of high school. Too easy, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, come on. You know, football, you learn a lot in football, though. Even I had a coach when I was in junior football. I mean, I started playing football when I was, I think, six years old. Right. I mean, pads, full pads. I had a coach, Joe Williams, who, I mean, I, I learned to start goal setting at six years old. I, I couldn't play on a Saturday game if I didn't have bring goals in on Friday night. I had to sleep with them. I had to put them in my helmet really? the next day at six years old. And I, I wow. carried that through my whole career. Yeah, you know, it's, fun, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, I, t I try and talk to these kids and the, the kids who, you know, I, I, I have a business back home in Australia yep. and I, I'm getting kids recruited into colleges and I see it all the time. I see that 15, 16-year-old kid and some of them are studs, but you can see the ones who separate themselves. It's just that laser focus and I'm not saying, look, if you're 15, you don't have to be all baseball and just yeah, be yeah. over the top ridiculous. I mean, you've got so many different distractions and things you've got to go do. You know, you, you, girls and schoolwork and whatever, parties and all that, whatever. But the kids that I find that 16, 17, 18, there's just a pattern. The, the ones that do that, write, you know, write the goals down or whatever, it's, it's as yeah. simple as that sounds. That's just that separator because all of a sudden that pack, they get to that 16, 17, 18, and then they just kind of start to, you know, fade away. And it's always these two or three kids that are just getting it done, getting after Yeah. You know. Yeah. So – all right, so you go, you go to UW, right, mm -hmm. and you're playing two sports, mm -hmm. right? But football's football's a big one. I mean, you got yeah, yeah, you know, seventy thousand people coming to games, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, win the national champion yeah. championships. All right, so then you have the knee injury, yep. Right at that point, and, and I don't know how it was back then, back in the day, with as, as far as you know, recovery and stuff. If, if things had changed, 
you know, as far as the the, the you know the level of the, the surgeries. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a fork in the road for you mentally. Yeah. Because at that point, I mean, you're probably thinking, okay, I'm going to get drafted to get play oh, in the yeah. NFL. Hundred percent. So tell me, go, walk me through that. You, you, it's your ACL, right? Yep. So you have the ACL injury. At that point, are you like, oh, is, is it just dark days at that point? Yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. I, I, I um, when it happened, it happened in August, and uh, this is, I don't know, it was like the first, second day of pads, and uh, I literally. You know what happened? I knew something was something. When it happened, it was it wasn't like hit. It didn't get like blown out like by a hit. It was just like a cut. My my foot slipped. They wet down the turf for practices, but it will dry as the day goes on. Right. My foot was on a wet part of the turf. It slipped, and then caught on a dry part. And my knee just went with it. But they went in for I went in for an MRI, and the MRIs back then weren't as good, you know, by far. And a lot of fluid in there, um, and they said, you know. MRI is hard to get a good reading, but we know there's some damage to the ACL. We're not sure how much. They said we're going to try to drain it and see, you know, hopefully it won't be blood. Well, they drained it. It was all blood. But I still, my knee felt fine. I, kind of, I mean, didn't really, wasn't, especially after they drained it. And I went, yeah. you know what? They, they said you should have surgery. And I went, oh, give me two weeks. So I literally, I tried to, uh, you know, I rehabbed it for two weeks. Uh Came back and I, it was we were gonna the Pac-10 opener was against USC for us and I wanted to be back for that game because the year before I actually I think it might have been a record I had 28 tackles in a game against SC one game and I'm like you know what I need I need to get back against these guys so we're going through practice that day and uh and just real quick is your focus is is it because man I'm getting close to that I was and, invincible and, man and, right uh-uh, I was invincible but, that's but what I thought you, you, that's what your mentality gotcha, is yeah. It's like straight, like, I, well, I need surgery. I don't need surgery. I, I'm invincible. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, and that, what, yeah. that's what makes you good. Yeah. You know, that's what makes these young guys good. You're 20 years old, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, it's like I forget sometimes. I feel like I'm soft now. Like, you know what I mean? Like back then, because one thing about me, I was like, you know, I used to just work my ass off, get after it. I used to look at my routine and go, how did I do that? It's like yeah. I've gotten soft. Because <laughs> back then, dude, you, you, like that, that's how it was for me. I just got after it. And it's like if I had not, like any issue with my arm, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, he just did it. <laughs> Sorry, so continue. It didn't work. So, anyways, I get back. I'm, so, USC week, Monday practice, I go through. It's not pads. Tuesday, I go through. It's pads day. Um, everything's great. Speed's there. Everything's there. I have a brace on, though. Uh, Wednesday practice. The last drill of the day is nine on seven. It's inside run drill. I'm at a point after my sophomore year that I, I don't really have to go. If I needed it, you know, I said, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm going to sit out this drill. I'll be ready for Saturday. Hoffman, my uh, best friend, my other inside linebacker, was actually my backup at the time, um, roommate, uh, goes, I said, Dave, you, you know, you got it. I'm not going to go with ones right now. And he goes, Cliffy, he looked at me. And I go, yeah? He goes, no, you got to do this. I said, why is that? He goes, Cliffy, you got to find out. You got to know. You got to know, no. Right. And this is the real drill. Have you guys been talking about your knee? I mean, he must have yeah, just yeah. been. Oh, fun. yeah, he's with me, yeah. And, uh. We ended I mean, obviously up he knows you're injured, but you must Oh, have, dude, yeah, we're roommates, man. He knows that. He must he mean losing sleep over it, in other words. Yeah. In a sense, because yeah, yeah. subconsciously you know yeah. something's, up, something's up. You know, and at the same time, he's going to play if I can't play. Right. You know, and he goes, you know, you got to find out. And I said, you know what, Dave, you're right, man. He, he's, my, he's my brother, man. He loves me. Right. I mean, I to this day, I love him. Yeah. 
Go out there, second play. First play just blew up the running back. It was like, everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> gosh. It was just like, goofy. Uh, next play, I post up the fullback, and a lineman falls right on that knee, bends my brace, <sighs> knee, gone. Um, that was it, man. And then I went in for surgery. Uh, it's crazy. And Dave went on. He wore my shoes all year. And, yeah, there you go. Where, where, now, what, what happened to Dave after this? I mean, was he, he went on to be all Pac-10, All-American, and drafted? had a great career drafted. We both went to the Combine, you know, in Indianapolis. Did he play in the NFL? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But <laughs> <laughs> so what's the process like right after that? So you, so you obviously you have to have surgery. Of course. Right. Yeah. So, I mean. It, Were you depressed at that point? Of you must course, man. You go from thinking you're on top of the world to now all of a sudden in, 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 in any sport. I mean, you know, you think about – you move the drill. The, it keeps going. That was the thing in football. You, somebody gets hurt, you move the drill over, and you keep going. And, and it sucks, but that's just what you do. I mean, that's in life, though, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. you you got to figure it out. You know, it doesn't matter. Our saying this year, it doesn't matter. Get better. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough when, when that happened. You know, the, one of the frustrating things was is there was a gymnast, uh, one of our, uh, our women gymnasts that had the surgery the same day as me. And she kicked my butt in rehab. Really? I mean, it was so much easier for her. She didn't have the scar tissue like I had and getting range of motions. Right. I mean, I would just, I was, oh, it was frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, she, so she had the same, same knee surgery? Same knee surgery. Every, I mean, you don't know what the trauma, whether the bones hit or what, you know, what, but right. same ACL yeah. surgery, same patella graft, same protocols. <laughs> You know, she just didn't lay down as much like scar tissue and, yeah. and get as much inflammation as I did. All right, so, so okay, so, so you, you rehab your knee. Yep. Does it ever? Do you ever feel like you're back to 100 percent to what you were? At the time, I would. Yeah, yeah. No, probably never really. Then back. you felt like you you were. You had that little bit of denial, it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was. It, I always lacked a little bit of extension. I felt like I couldn't get through my hips through uh, as much, that final pop, like, you know, when I'm doing things. But I, it took a little bit away from me, for sure. Yeah. Do you ever look back to that moment and, like, yeah, I mean, because you're around Major League Baseball, you, you stand, you know, on the top step of the dugout every night. Yeah. Do you, do you ever look out and, you know, re not regret anything, but just resent the fact that, man, I, I could have been playing the NFL or I could have been playing <laughs> in the big leagues? No, I um, feel pretty blessed. I don't think I ever would have met my wife if I wouldn't have got hurt, if I wouldn't have hurt my knee. So how do you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, great story. So. You guys uh, met at UW. We I met at it. UW. Yeah. I, she's an identical twin, actually, also. Kimberly's my wife. And we've been married 24 years now. But I met her, so I, I saw her at a, a sorority party. I've seen her on campus a couple times, but never – said hello or never seen anything. I saw her at a sorority or a fraternity party. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Brett Collins, actually played football with us also. He knew everybody. It's just who he was. He knew everybody. So the next day I'm at Brett's house. That's it. I, I, when I, I just saw her at a fraternity party. I didn't say hello to her. I saw her. We might have made eye contact. The next day I'm at my buddy Brett's house. And Brett, like I said, knew everybody. I said, hey, what was the name? Who's that girl that I saw yes, last night? He was yeah. with me that night. He goes, oh, that's uh, Kimberly Delaney. I go, what house is she in? He goes, oh, she's a Gamma Phi. Just so you know, we're playing Tetris at this time. You know Tetris, the old on Tetris the game? game? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is on the TV. Okay. Oh, big time. So we don't have 
you know, nobody has cell phones back then. You know, you don't have a cell phone. So I literally, I'm like, Brett, what's the number there? He knew, he knew, he was, he just knew everything. I asked him, so I dialed the sorority. She was a junior. I was, you know, normally a, uh, you, know, you just call the house and the freshman's going to be on phone duty. Well, she was just walking. She picked up the phone. I go, you know, says, hello, Gamify Beta. And I go, yeah, can, you, can I please speak with Kimberly Delaney? And she goes, this is her. And so she had picked up the phone with 80 girls in there. And she's not, doesn't have phone to She was just walking by, picked it up. Right. And uh, I said, hey, this is James Clifford. Um, you know, I saw you last night. I just wanted to, you know, reach out. And Did she not hear you? Were? She knew who I was. Okay. Hey, hey <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Dude, you must have been it. walking around. Oh, I said that <laughs> you must have walked around that campus, right? You played football, national championship. I mean, you guys are like celebrities, and you're playing two sports. I mean, <laughs> let me finish this. <laughs> okay. So, I proceed to we talk for a few minutes, and I go right then. Brett was on tetra, got tetracized, so I was up. So I'm talking to her on you know dial-up phone, mm -hmm. and I go, hey. Uh, Yo, Kimberly, I'd love to, you know, go out sometime. Would you like to get together sometime? She goes, yeah, that'd be great. I said, all right, perfect. I'll give you a call back. We'll work that out. Click. Hung up. Going back to Tetris. Well, Kimberly got off the phone. I was like, what the? What was? I think he asked me out or did he ask yeah. me out? We didn't. Right. Anyway, so I get done with that. I get home. I call her up again and say, hey, what are you doing on uh, Friday? And she goes, I don't know. Let me check. She was trying to be, you know, hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> calls me back says yeah friday works and i said all right well i'm um, not sure you know what we'll go to dinner or something and i uh i know that i had this it was the friday at thing uh valentine's day was thursday friday it was the day after valentine's gotcha. day well my family gets together we do steak and lobster every valentine's day that's what we do so i go to pick her up i already had a date too so i had to cancel that Jeez. i won't say that she was a seahawk cheerleader um <laughs> So, so I had to call the Seahawks cheerleader, cancel that date. On Valentine's Day? Or no, it was on the Friday, day after Friday. Friday. Okay, good. Because she was going to come over to my family's house. And I yeah. just, when I thought about it, my sisters will kill me if I bring this, right, gotcha. this Seahawks cheerleader over. Yeah, all the sisters? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, no. So I'm going to bring, I have older sisters. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. I copped it, mate. Any, yeah. Anyone I was bringing home, oh, forget oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Sorry. So anyway, quickly, I'll end this. So... I go to pick her up on Friday at like 6 o'clock or 5.30 in the evening, and she gets in the car, and she's like, where are we going? I said, oh, we're going to my grandparents' house. We're having steak and lobster with my sisters, my family, my grandma and grandpas, and we go over there. We eat. She's freaking out because she's like, "What? My, we get in. My grandpa takes her in another room, teaches her how to play cribbage, uh, comes out. We end up leaving about 8 o'clock, um, and my grandpa tells my mom, just so you know, that's going to be James's wife. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? That is cool. Yeah, it's weird. How'd your sisters feel about her? Yeah, she's she lived up to it. So, I, I <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they still had to be. I could have brought home, you know, the Queen of England, and they still would be like, "Oh no, not good enough." That's how it was. No. It so was how do you know that? How, how do you? How are you confident enough? Because I get it, man. I mean, like, you don't want any awkwardness. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, whatever, dude. You know, Rhiannon and yeah. Stephanie Moss says, I don't care what you think. But I, I wasn't like <laughs> a kid. I was, you know, I was right. old enough and yeah. established yeah. enough. And, you know, man, come yeah. on. It was a yeah. national <laughs> championship. We freaking led the pack 10. And, you know, my sisters, yeah. yeah they yeah. like me too. <laughs>
So and and you said so basically, if you didn't have that injury, you wouldn't have met. You wouldn't have met. Her. Why is that? Because you were. I wasn't in a position where I think she would have really dealt with me. I mean, I was, a, I was such a driven, focused, not really caring or, not that I didn't care about people. I did for sure. I grew up with a great family and, and I cared about my friends and, but I was just so focused on two things, football basically and school. Really? I mean, that, that was that. That was it. So you weren't getting swept up in the whole uh, play for you, play yeah, football I for was, you, dub college was, kid, twenty years old. Well, playing, f- yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, to an extent, I think I kept it somewhat in check. But I mean, I, it, it it wasn't like I wanted to go out and do. I mean, I wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be better. Yeah. So I was, and and I wouldn't. I was kind of in a mode that if you're not here to get me better, I'm just going to either move you out of the way or run your ass over. Right. It's just what I, I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's, and it probably was not the healthiest way to go through life. You know, I probably missed a lot of relationships because of that. Yeah, I heard um, Kelly Slater. He he said once, the most successful people are sometimes the most selfish people, you know. And and, uh, again, it's not the healthiest way to look at things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, man, if you get too many things going on at once, you just can't handle it. Yeah, I think 100%. So, okay, so you get injured, and then after that, you, you're still looking at that, that the NFL draft. That's kind of the next step, right, for you? Yeah, I actually was drafted by the Mariners before my senior year. Okay. So I, I ended up playing after National Championship year. I played baseball in that offseason. I actually went through spring football and baseball season at the same time. I literally scrimmage in spring football on a Saturday morning and go with the ones and twos. The ones would go first. After our first 45 minutes or so, Coach Lambert would say, um, hey, go ahead and head to the baseball field. I'd go change. I wouldn't even shower. I'd go over to the baseball field, and I'd play in a doubleheader. Right. Yeah. Wow. So because you'd already – yeah, you'd already been drafted by the Mariners, right? Once, yeah. Yeah, in high school. Then yeah. you get drafted again. Yep. And after that and, – and you say, yeah, hey, let's do it. Yeah. But, th- I, but they I, knew full well that you had the NFL draft coming up. Yeah. Well, as a what, what I did is they drafted me, and I went, you know what? I went to coach. They were going to give me a little bit of money. They paid for my school. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you I, sign for? Uh, huh? How much did you sign for? It was like 25 grand. I'll sign for 30. Listen, it was, it was a, it was a <laughs> summer job. I only had to go for three weeks to Bellingham, Washington. That's where we were at, yeah. our short season A ball mm-hmm. club. So I went to Coach James and said, hey, coach, the Mariners are going to give me whatever, 25 grand to go play in Bellingham for three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good summer job. Yeah. And so that's how you looked at it. You, you weren't looking at this like, oh, okay, I'm going to get drafted and I'm going to shoot up the minors. No. Really? No, I was going to come. I, had, I went, I signed, then I came back and played my senior year of football. So oh. I only went for three weeks, came, went back and played my senior year of football, and uh, went well. We were number one in the country all up until the very end, and we had mm-hmm. some – Things come out. The Billy Joe Hobart thing. He took some money, and we ended up losing him. And they suspended some games and other players. Yeah, whatever. But um, and then went to the combine. I still didn't think I was going to play in baseball. Uh, I went to spring training that year, so I went to the combine, performed pretty good, um, and then came to spring training. And again, I was just using baseball more as hopefully I get more money in football. Really. And uh, draft came and went. They went to seven rounds that year. Uh, in football, I disappointed didn't you didn't get drafted. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you felt like you're gonna get drafted. Better. I felt like I would get drafted. I was rated early as the fourth round by mm-hmm. some, but or later. You know, th- I'm glad they went to 
the seven rounds because the worst thing is to get drafted in the ninth or tenth round by a team that might not be the best setup for yeah. you. You want to be able to be a free agent in football if if, if you're not going to get gotcha. drafted. You know, if you're going to get drafted that late. So, anyways, I flew in I, after I drafted. I had a ton of teams calling me, uh, NFL teams asking me to, you know, as a free agent contract. Uh, I flew into Atlanta and Kansas City uh, and met with their staffs because they were probably the best situation. My agent had said that they're the best situation for uh, like special teams player to you know make it right to away. make a team. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, came back and we were in extended spring, and uh, I kind of was like, actually, we went over to Oakland and played a game, and I hit three home runs and a double. They sent us spring training in one game. And I went, you know what, maybe I should, tr- you know, I'm going to try this. I called my agent. Really? Yeah. He, I called my agent, and he was a little disappointed because in football, you know, they, he would get money right away. And in baseball, in minor leagues, you don't get, they don't, <laughs> agents, agents don't get anything. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was Craig Landis, actually, was the agent. And uh, and so I, there, I, well, then I went, boom, and I went all the way in on and, baseball. And this is why I'm asking because you went from okay, you're you know hardcore into football. Obviously, at school you're playing both. You had the knee, you had the knee injury, mm-hmm. and then you treated like oh, I'm getting paid 25 grand for a summer job. That's kind of how you looked at, at baseball. That's why I'm like, that's why I'm <laughs> confused as to why if you're f- getting flown out, right? Because baseball, man, it's a good five years of the yeah. minor leagues a little mm-hmm. bit different now that yeah. i feel like players are younger now but it's a grind through the minor leagues and plus you've already witnessed the shitty setup in a ball yes. you're gonna have to deal with that's why i said what was it that you think it was the, th- the couple home runs you hit and the double and you're like uh, I, I really felt like i never applied myself in baseball mm-hmm. i just like i said earlier I, I think i just played and it's probably why i was good i mean i practiced a lot go hit in the cage a lot um like from a coaching standpoint, I didn't think. I, I mean, I wasn't like. A, I want to. I wanted to be coached like a like a football. Mm-hmm. And it, you don't get that in baseball. I wanted constant performance appraisal, and in football you get it. And and I, you know, I've talked. You're, you're talking about back then. Yeah, but back then. But even even now, it's hard in in yeah. in, in baseball. There's so many reps. Mm-hmm. In football, every rep was dissected. Yeah, you blow it back, you do it again. Um, in baseball, it gets it's really hard. Like if a guy's taking eighty ground balls today, mm-hmm. and you try to coach him on each one, I mean it's just it's just hard. Yeah. The problem is when you don't do that, and you try to coach him up a one in the game when he boots it, then they think you're showing him up. Gotcha. It's like you no, know, if you you have to coach a coach. That's why Perry Hill's so amazing because mm-hmm. he does coach his ass off. Yeah. Every single rep, so they know when he comes and talks to him. He's not like showing him up. He cares about him. He's yeah. trying to help him. He's unique in a way because he's at the major league level, and he's kind of, in a sense, he it's, he's treating it like he's at the yeah. A ball level or extended spring. Yeah, which, he's which that can brew some egos too. I mean, if you got the guy who's been around the league for a little bit, and Perry sees something, and he says, "Hey, try this or do this drill or do that drill," he's gonna be like, "Hey, you know." You know, yeah. there's that, that, that thing. I, I noticed that too. I get to the big leagues. I'm like, "Hey, I need some coaching. Yeah, I need some like some hands on here." Yeah, what I'm doing. A good example in the weight room. You, you, the great ones, if you, like, you know, oh, they're already here. They're in the big leagues. You know, we're just gonna maintenance. We're gonna do maintenance with them, or just keep them healthy. The great ones are gonna. They walk away from you in two seconds. You think that's what they want? No, they want to get better. Yeah. If yeah. you if you can't help me get better, if you can show me some things to help me get better, that's what I want. If you're just gonna maintenance, I'm already here. I already got it. Beat it. Yeah. They want you to get better. <laughs> yeah. It's changed a lot now too. I've, I've noticed there's not as many soft bodies walking around. Baseball as it was back in the day, yeah. and, and, we, and when you when you started playing professional baseball, lifting no one was lifting, right? 
Uh, they were. Rarely. I was just. Were you looking at that coming from a football a little, background? There were still some. I mean, there were some. Yeah, a little bit, but more so in. in but the not big like leagues. not like now. Not like ten years later. Yeah, right? not even. No, no. And the, how smart we are. Oh, smart. A relative term. Um, <laughs> just more uh, targeted we are yeah. in what we do now versus in the past. Uh, could have been considered more of just a, a blanket, mm-hmm. you know, routine for guys. And how much more specific we're getting with guys now. It's it's changed a ton. Right. So you, okay. So six years in the minor leagues, right? Yep. Okay. And then Benny Looper, who was, he, who was yeah. still, still around when, when, um, when I was playing, yeah. I was scared of that dude, man. He, yeah, was, he was intimidating. Yeah. He is the, one of the most, I'm talking as an 18 year old. I've ever Absolutely. And yeah. I figured that out years later, but man, as yeah. an 18 year old, I was, you know, with yeah, you, yeah, I, yeah. I developed a relationship with you. And one thing you do really well, I think that comes from, and you said, <clears throat> you already said this, but, with as far as a staff player staff relationship there's always those coaches that i felt like you know they were like a teammate you know what i mean yeah. or i could i could open up to them yeah, and yeah. it wouldn't be used against me you were that way i felt like you know i felt like you were a teammate as opposed to a player and sometimes i'm like i shouldn't be saying this or, or <laughs> you know diving into this um but there was there was always and i think that's around you know anytime i talked to i spoke to dan altavilla actually the last episode of this mm. and he talked about it too he said we're lucky in a sense that you know with cliffy and derek mm-hmm. you know we can just it's just easy to talk to them he said i haven't had that always um but it's nice. I like, uh, like hearing that i take pride in that yeah um and and you know again and well, i do I, I care about them so right yeah. um so Benny Looper says to you, hey, look, do you want to be... And it was a brand new position, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so, yeah, you know how that went? I just got done hitting in the cages. At, yeah, I was living in Seattle at the time. Yeah. Um, but I was all invested in, in minor league, you know, in playing in baseball, getting to the, you know, getting to the big leagues. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I just got done hitting in the cages, and I, all of a sudden I uh, got a call, and it was from Benny Looper, and he said, Cliffy, how you doing? I said, good. He goes, hey, we're thinking about creating this position. Uh, minor league strength and conditioning coordinator. We know your education. We know what you know what you've done, and you know. Do you think it'd be something you might be interested in? And I'm like Benny. I just got done taking batting practice. Yeah. What are you What are you saying to me? And he's like, <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> no, you you can still play if you want. We just think this would be a really good fit for you, and it'd be bring a lot of value to the organization. And I'm like, Oh man. So I got I I uh, asked him. I said, I, I was in Seattle. Of course, he was in Seattle in the front office. And I said, are you free tomorrow for lunch? I'd like to really talk about this maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more. So I asked Benny to lunch. We ended up going to lunch. And uh, after lunch, and I was thinking about it, I said, you know, he's not going to ask Ken Griffey Jr. to be hitting coach because he's a good hitter, right? I mean, uh, I think this is the writing's on the wall for me. Right. So I called Benny back up and said, yeah, I'm interested. And, you know, let me know if you want to do this. And been here ever since. Was it – I mean uh, – Still a tough decision, man. It's not something that you get excited about because, and, and the reason I'm bringing this yeah. up is because those years leading up to that point, you're watching your buddies play in the NFL. Yeah, right. So you're looking at that, thinking, oh, you know, what if or if I didn't get injured or, or if I if I stuck with, but all those little things because I deal with that too. I mean, there's there's things that you know throughout my career, I'm like, oh man, if I'd done this or done that, I still live with that stuff. Yeah, I mean. I've took the approach, I think, in, in through life, and it's, you know, our model this year doesn't matter, get better. I mean, I, 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 I've kind of lived that in, in what I do. Um, you know, I, I talk with my family about things and decisions. I pray about things in, in what I do. Um, and uh, that was, no, it was not an easy decision to make. I mean, 
at the same time, uh, I felt for myself and, and where I was at, uh, it was it was the time. It was time mm -hmm. to do it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd also been asked to go back to University of Washington and be a GA and, and you know, maybe go on their st staff right. for, for uh, football. Um, that's one thing I think about, like, where I w my walk would be right now if I would have done that. Um, and those football coach make a lot of money right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I would. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd change it. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm excited. To, I feel really uh, proud of of what we've been able to do here. You know. Well, you've been here for you know, twenty plus years. <laughs> twenty five plus years. Twenty five yeah, plus yeah, years. Well, yeah. Right. And there's been <clears throat> four or five GMs. Yeah. Have you have you have you lived through that? As far as have have you kept the, the position that you have? Now I kind of know Good, the answer to this. You I mean, do. There's, there's so I want to hear the answer. Well, I, I just think I think it's because your relationship with players, right? And I don't know how they really evaluate that. Yeah. Um, and I just think that you know there was a big change in 2010 when uh, Marcus Elliott came in. Yep. Right. And I think your ability to whether you agree with everything 100 percent, 50 percent or not. I remember 2010, I walked into the weight room here. Every bench was removed. The whole thing was just stripped. I don't know if you remember that in 2010. Okay, yeah, right? I and, know. And they had the Kaiser machines all set up. Yeah, yeah. And here was a guy, Marcus Elliott, coming in who, you know, he, he has his it's P3 or whatever yep. it is, a facility, coming in and overseeing everything. And you had Alan Wordler was the big league strength coach yep. at that time. Mm -hmm. And they butted heads, right? Were, yeah. But with you, and I have conversations with you a lot, and, and this is something I felt like 2010 was still a testing ground for in-season workouts. Yeah. Because I remember there was some stuff I was doing at the major league level, which was at the big league level, it wasn't mandatory to do these workouts. Yeah, Because yeah. you know, some of them, some guys were doing them. I love... You, you know, always do. You're, yeah. Right. I, sure. I love... But I'm talking about that way yeah, of working yeah. out. But there was times I was gassed. It, it was too much. I, I don't think he quite grasped the in-season workload yeah. for 162 games so i think with what i'm getting at with you every time we had a conversation it wasn't this approach of oh no this is how you do things this is stupid or whatever it is or you didn't have this massive opinion you had the ability to to adapt and learn yeah right am i am i wrong yeah it was a huge growth for me at, at that time i mean i what that ended up what happened because of that is the organization i feel looked at when it was all said and done, went, oh my gosh, we couldn't have done anything if Cliffy wouldn't have like supported us and made this happen. Right. Um, that being said, I would never let anybody come in and do anything with our athletes that I felt was putting them in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. I, I owe it to the athlete, I owe it to the organization not to allow that. Um, I don't feel like that happened. We had to make a lot of adjustments and I was you know, free to do that. Um, but it really helped build our model into what we did and how we do it um, and just basically looking at what do you need to do to play baseball. Mm -hmm. So if we can get more into like the philosophy or how we built our program was saying, you know, we basically wanted to create what do you need to be able to do to play baseball from a you know, strength and conditioning standpoint and durability standpoint. And we talked to athletic trainers, talked to hitting coaches, pitching coaches, strength coaches, infield coaches, whatever it is. So they all have their list of needs, things yeah. you need to be able to do from the physical side of yeah. it. Okay, so we looked at that. We, we looked at all those things, and we said, okay, how do we assess each one of these things? Like, ob objectively, if you can. Mm -hmm. 
So we said, okay, we can assess these all these needs. So we have like 20, let's say six needs. Um, and pitchers and position players will have hierarchy be different. They have a lot of the same needs, but there's more importance placed on different ones for yeah. the, depending on position. Um, then from there, we're like, okay, so we can assess these needs. Well, how do we train these needs? And then we just said, okay, we have uh, hip stability. How do I train hip stability? We can just list them. Then we could go lower body power. Okay, we can train them this way. So it really made it easier for us to build out our model of, listen, we're just, let's be smarter. Yeah. You need to be able to do these things. Let's assess them and find out what they can't do and what they can't do. Mm -hmm. And then we know that if they can't do that, these exercises are going to help that. And so that's where we're, how we're going to program. It doesn't matter what position or where you're at or who you are. This is what you need to do. Right. And um, that's how I feel we've gotten so much more uh, – individualizing each play. It's a lot of work. It's way more work than oh, yeah. I used to do. It used I'll to be your starting pitcher, here you go. Your yeah. relief pitcher, here you go. Your corner infielder, here you go. Catcher here. Outfielders, you're all the same. Middle infielders, here you go. But, and, and back in the Changed. day, back in the day, you'd leave the season. I remember, you know, back, back in the day, I'm yeah. like early 2000s, you'd get the workout program. Yep, yep. But, you know, I, I didn't follow it. Not not because, of whatever, I didn't follow it. Because I had to be with someone back in Australia. Yeah. Everyone just scatters. Well, your dad, too. Come on, man. Right. You come from the background. Pain right. in the domain, man. I loved hearing that story. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. You should do that. Podcast your dad on this. Yeah. But, well, no, yeah, I'll, I'll get there at, at some point. <laughs> but I feel like... The one unique thing, and I've talked to different athletes in different sports, is the fact that back in the – and I'm sure it's different now, and this is something I want to ask you about. You're on your own for months. Yeah. Like, you may get the, the occasional phone call. Is it different? It's got to be different now, or it's not. It's hard. I mean, guys, especially at the major league level. Because football's know. not like that, right? They have to check in. Yeah, I mean, check in. Like, we don't fly. I mean, we have camps. We have some things, you know, down here, especially in Arizona, our, our younger kids, we have strength camps, six-week strength yeah. camp. We have uh, mini camps going on. Uh, basically, it's year-round down here. Uh, our big league, due to the collective bargaining agreement, we can't make our players come in. Our, if you're on the 40-man roster, you can't, you can't make them. They right. just you, – you really have to be carefully asking them. Um, but you check in, you phone, you know, text – catch up on their social media stuff, everything, you know, you get them. I do talk with their trainers that they have, that they're working with at home. Did, um, do you feel like everyone's got someone they're working with? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's a few that don't. I think right. Murphy. Yeah. He just does his own stuff. He's, his own. he's like, he gets it. But he gets it. I mean, he, 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 he doesn't need guidance. Yeah, he, he gets it. But, you know, we have other guys move down here. You know, we had JP down here this year. He just yeah. bought a house down here, Crawford. And right. He's doing a good job. Uh, and the other part of that, too, I talked about you sticking around through, you know, four or five different GMs and stuff like that. You told a story, I think it was not last year, year before. Maybe it was last year. What year did you go to the All-Star Game? Two years ago. Um, <coughs> 2018? Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember we had you on, on Root Sports in a pregame show, and you went to the All-Star Game, right? Mm -hmm. Good experience, the whole thing. But one yeah. thing you brought up – Shinsu Chu, who I played rookie ball with mm -hmm. back in the day. Now, yep. this is a guy who didn't speak any English, wasn't even interested in speaking English. Yeah. I remember I ran into him, um, you know, 2007, 2008, he's with the Indians. Ran into him, he's like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I was like, damn, he can, he's speaking English now. But you told, you, you told us a story about running into him and what he said to you. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty neat. You know, it was nice to see him at the All Star. He was the first one after I don't know how many seventeen years in the states or something crazy like that or whatever it was. Um, 
first of all, to see him in that room, it was awesome. And, and Hinch was actually the manager, and he, and he really, you know, recognized him in front of the group. But when I saw him there, he, he walked up, and, and he actually he thanked me. It was interesting. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, no, thanks for helping me turn into the man I am today. Right. It meant a lot to me, man. It was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a father now. He's got his kids. He's, and he's a, you know, he's a grown man, and, and he wasn't at the time when and, I first and, met him. And just you told that story, and because, you know, I knew him. Yeah. He came up with the Mariners. Yeah. Right? Slowly started to speak a bit of English. He was really emotional when he got traded to the Indians. Mm -hmm. I think it was around 2006. Right? So that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Right? So to say that means a lot. Yeah, it meant a lot. It's huge. I mean, it, that's one thing about when you're the coordinator and, and you get to meet, especially, you know, right after the draft or the international signings. You know, we're, we're as you know, you're, I'm one of the first person, that, you know, that coordinator is one of the first people they meet. And um, you do it right and you, you set the standards, you set the, the bar where it needs to be. Um, things normally work out for people. That, that's one thing I, when I first went on staff, I, I don't know if you remember our. Uh, a trainer in Everett, uh, Spider Web. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I was talking with him one time. As I was first went from playing to staff, and um, and he said, "What?" And it made me think about this. And he goes, "You know what? You know, like from a coach, how do you be? How are you going to be consistent? How do you do this?" And I said, "Well, you know, when I look at things and and what I've done or how I've done things my whole life, I think I've always." Like I feel like people always go to the, the bar, wherever it is. And I alluded to the bar earlier. When I say if you if the bar's high or wherever it is, it doesn't matter. Most people, 99% of people, go to the bar. There's going to be some that go mm -hmm. under. There's going to be a couple outliers that go above. Um, and normally the ones that go above aren't your best players. Just saying. They may work hard. They may do it, you know, but they're just not the best players. And I said the one thing I would know, if you lower the bar for one guy – that's the new bar, and that's as far as 99% of people go. So you have to hold that bar high always, and you can't drop it for one guy because all of a sudden that's the new bar for everybody, and 99% of people are only going to go there. So I've tried to live by that. But you've, come, you've got to come across – I mean, I have personally come across guys with so much talent. Oh, you know, of around picks that just must have driven you insane. Yeah. I'm not going to lower my expectations is what I'm right. saying. And they, yeah, they yeah. will know that. Gotcha. They don't, I don't care if it's – it doesn't matter who, if it's – big league player or uh, a ball player they might not get to the bar but i'm not my bar is staying it's staying there and th this is what i expect and i'm not going to lower it for anybody because then all of a sudden if i lower my expectations for people what happens that's as high as they'll right. go i strongly believe that um you know and, and yeah i've been through a lot of gms i've been through a lot of managers um i do think uh i'm relatively consistent day in and day out in how i approach mm -hmm. uh the day and 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 prepared I think that uh, consistency is is comfort. I mean, I can get loud, I can get angry, I can you know have fun, but I'm, I'm consistently in, in in most things I do, and, and people know what to expect when I, when I'm around. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 been a long time, but it's been a, a lot of fun, and, and I hope I've, I've impacted impacted positively. A, a, you know, a lot of, of our you know young players have come up, and and older players, and the organization as a whole. You excited about 2020? I'm really excited. So you still you still have that same enthusiasm. This is not a situation where you're like, oh man, another year, another six months. Yeah, I'm I'm really really excited. I mean, this this spring has been 
uh, easy is not a word I like to use because uh, normally things that are easy aren't normally not getting that much better. Um, but you know, this is the first year, maybe really since Jerry's been here, mm-hmm. where we, you know, as you know, we've, there's a lot of new players every year. Yeah, we have a lot of new players in there this year that are new players to me, not maybe not to the organization. We have a lot of our players in there, so a lot of first year camp guys that are from within our organization. So they know what to expect. They they've they've know our routines. They know our movement prep. They it's been seem more seamless in a way. Right. Um, I've been able to utilize my staff a lot better. Even our minor league strength staff, where this guy's worked with this guy, and I, mm-hmm. I believe me, I'm all about relationships. I'm all about putting the best guy in the room that ha- a certain skill with somebody who needs that skill, regardless of whoever it is, whatever coach it is. Um, so just putting people in, you know, with the right people t- to create success. You still part of those organizational meetings, those big ones? Yeah. With the special players, the ones that I was never in? <laughs> I was never brought up. <laughs> yeah. We've looked at them more as a continued education now okay. and how we've gone about our organization. It's got to change though, right? The game has changed so much. I feel yeah. like there's a lot more non-baseball people Right there's there's less of that there's less of the um, hey I saw this guy playing I think he's you know more of the the human el- there's less of the human element yeah yeah for sure I mean it, it, I I liken it I, I love it and it's interesting what's happened like hitting coaches pitching coaches all the the, the data and the analytics it, they're able to measure now before they couldn't measure yeah they had a radar gun that's it yeah now you can measure yeah. it. And, and what do we do in strength condition what do, what do we do we measure right yeah. we've been doing it for years yeah. We've got objective information. We've done it for years. Now, that's pitching coaches and hitting coaches are having to do with it. And it's interesting to sit back and kind of watch. Whoa, they, they can really they can judge you now in a way. Yeah. You know, evaluate whether right. what you're doing with them is working or not. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic in baseball right now. You yeah. can evaluate your coaches a lot more than just. You know, and the players get it. I mean, you know, when you were mm-hmm. you throw a pitch in the bullpen when you're pitching, and yeah, perfect. That's a great slider right there. And you're going, that was dog shit. I know. You a lot know of guessing. It. Huh? Oh yeah, it takes the guessing out. I, yeah. I, I own a rap soda machine. I, yeah. I, I take it back, and it just takes the guessing out. Yeah. Everyone's accountable because there's a number there which yeah. holds you accountable to what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. So I, I I like it, and it's not new to the strength conditioning world. You know, we've yeah. always measured. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we do. Yeah. Cliffy, this has been fun, man. I hope I didn't hold you for too long. No, man. I love yeah. it, man. I always love talking to you yeah, regardless, yeah. man. This, this, I, this yeah. has been fun. But uh, all the best for 2020. And uh, I have to get down to that weight room. Dude, you're going to have to show me a routine, man. I'm getting soft, dude. I need something. <laughs> dude, your arm's looking good, man. Dude, no, yeah. it, hey, I'm telling you. It's it's so hot. When you get done playing, I know how it was for you. For me, just having like some good routine. Yeah. You know, plus, you know, Different phases in life, man. Oh, yeah. and believe me, it's hard for me also. <laughs> I do awesome. feel like in season I get on a better team routine yeah. and even off season and, yeah. and and spring training. In season I feel like I can I can do it. You know. Yeah. And we're gone a lot. My daughters are in college. My you know, wife we live in Arizona and they're down there. They come back and forth with my youngest daughters in high school so they don't get up as much. And uh I can get in early and do my work. Gotcha. I get pretty regular. Plus you're around young athlete elite athletes, so right? Doesn't, doesn't and we got some really good athletes yeah. right now, man. It's it's exciting. Awesome. Cliff, this has been fun, man. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Awesome. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Top Step. Now, make sure you click that subscribe button down below because coming up on future episodes, I'll get a chance to sit down with six-time UFC champion and MMA legend, Mr. Randy Couture, plus Mariners prospect, Justice Sheffield, as well as funny man and huge Mariners fan, comedian Adam Ray. Catch you next week on The Top Step.